You're listening to Beck and Calling, featuring Whitworth University President Beck A. Taylor. In each episode, Beck interviews influential thinkers, authors, artists, and other leaders who are living out their callings in life and making the world a better place. Okay, great. Well, it's my pleasure today to sit down and talk with my good friend, Betsy Coles. Many people in our listening audience will know Betsy Coles, and if not her, they will certainly know the Coles name and how inextricably linked Betsy's family is with Whitworth's history here in Spokane. Betsy Coles is chair of the Coles Company and oversees its television, real estate, and insurance sales operations. The Coles Company also owns and publishes the Spokesman Review, Spokane's daily newspaper. Spokane residents will know that under her transformational leadership, River Park Square in downtown Spokane was redeveloped to include a new Nordstrom's, uh, other national retailers, an AMC theater, uh, just an amazing retail space. And this anchor project was the catalyst for the incredible growth and investment over the past two decades in and around the downtown corridor. It's not a stretch for me to say that Spokane uh, has a thriving downtown largely due to Betsy's investments of time and vision and energy. Dedicated also to higher education and the arts, Betsy has served on several business and nonprofit boards, including the Independent Colleges of Washington board, where I've had the privilege of working alongside her on behalf of private independent colleges and universities in our state. She is also currently a board member for the Laird Norton Company, the Spokane Symphony Orchestra Endowment, and the Washington Roundtable. I mentioned earlier the importance of the Coles family to Whitworth. It was Betsy's great-grandfather, William H. Coles, who joined J.P. Graves in wooing then Whitworth College across the Cascades from Tacoma to Spokane in 1914. And here we are some 105 years later. Besides helping to originate the Spokane campus, the Coles family has been a primary contributor to numerous projects on campus. When students write a research paper in the Harriet Cheney Coles Memorial Library, or use a lab in Robinson Science Hall, or throw pottery in Lead Arts Center, or practice music in the new Coles Music Center, they have the Coles family in part to thank for these resources. So at the outset of our time together uh, this morning, Betsy, I wanna thank you for your personal and your family's collective commitment to Whitworth and to mind and heart education. It's truly hard to imagine what Whitworth would be without the Coles family. So thank you and welcome to our broadcast. Thanks, Beck. Well, I stand on uh, three prior generations of giving to the university and, uh, and to the area. Well, I want, I want to talk a little bit about that, your family's legacy, your sense of responsibility here in Spokane as we get going. But not everyone listening will know your personal story. Um, although your family has been very involved, as I mentioned, in the history and development of Spokane, your return to Spokane after college and the beginning of your own career and your ascension to lead the Coles Company uh, might have been a little unscripted. Um, how did you wind up in the important roles you have today with the Coles Company? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I grew up with the business at the dinner table. Um, so uh, the media business and, and the other things the company's been involved in. 
left for college, graduate school, and other sundry things. What uh, young people do, go uh, off yes. and find the world. Well, yeah. and that was the, the direction, and actually one of the requirements to coming back was go and conquer the world, you know, go work for someone else for five years, get a graduate degree, and uh, both my brother and I did that. And that was important to get new experiences and see the world. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and then have something to bring back if we were gonna come back. Um, so, and it gives a great sense of self-confidence that you, you could do something on your own mm -hmm. rather than just get a job with the family company. Uh, so when I was deciding to return, I was a practicing lawyer um, and decided it you was- You were in Seattle, I think, in practicing. In Seattle mm -hmm. and decided it was more interesting to be the client than the lawyer. So I called my dad and said, you know, I think it's time to move back. And that was all wonderful. And then uh, when I, in fact, the weekend we were moving back, my father uh, died suddenly of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So the training program and the sort of working with him, you know, obviously that all changed. Uh, my uncle Jim Coles, of course, was here. And so my brother and I uh, kind of worked with and under him with his mentorship on how that uh, succession was going to happen. And it, it just happened a lot sooner than anybody yeah. expected. Uh, and the, the TV part of the business, which I oversee now, uh, has always been really interesting. I mean, way back when I was young. So that was pretty natural. The real estate side, frankly, you know, if you had told me when I was in my 20s even, that I was gonna be running a real estate company, I would have said, you're crazy, because that was just not on my radar. But Jim was kind of ready to pass that on and sat down with me one day and said, you know, I think it's time for me to step aside. And uh, so I said, sure, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. Uh, but what's wonderful about our company is we've got really terrific folks, um, senior people, uh, and people at all levels, and very supportive of, of Stacy and I in our young careers, mm -hmm. uh, wanted us to be successful. So we had a lot of support and a lot of family support. Our family is very close mm -hmm. and supportive of what we're doing. So perhaps a little bit of that story was scripted, this idea of going off into the world and learning new things and getting experiences with perhaps the opportunity to return one day. Then you decide to return and tragedy strikes and you're thrust into this kind of new leadership um, role pretty suddenly and your brother and you find yourselves, you know, all of a sudden leading this very complex organization with lots of responsibilities. Um, you could have turned tail and run at that point, but I mm -hmm. assume you felt some level of responsibility to your family, to its legacy here in Spokane, to its, um, its service roots here. In what ways did that compel you to take on those daunting new, new responsibilities? Yeah. You know, it was um, coming back because I'd made the decision and I think Stacy would say the same thing. We didn't feel an obligation to come back. It was just uh, an interest mm -hmm. in what the company was about and and the the notion of running a family business. It's um, you know it's a very unique kind of thing to have an opportunity to do. Uh, 
and then you know I'm I'm almost I'm uh, kind of competitive and um, like complex problems so challenges were sort of get my juices going so not that you know I I mean that the succession planning just didn't work the way we had thought but um, uh, just taking on new things was something that has always kind of engaged me. Uh, I think the other thing I, I learned quickly to do with some advice from some older mentors uh, was to, you know, observe others because I didn't know how to run stuff, you know, I'm just <laughs> 29. Um, so watching how other people were acting as leaders, how to, you know, even just running a meeting what was working and what isn't. I still do that today. I, I observe and, you know, mentally take some notes about, you know, is that speech going well? Is the meeting going well? How is the message being delivered? And if it's not going well, why? So I just by osmosis learned a lot. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, when I'm teaching leadership to students, that's one of my first pieces of advice is be a good watcher, listener, of leaders, yeah. you'll learn a lot of good lessons. You'll learn some not so good lessons as well as, yeah. as we watch leaders maybe stumble and fail. Um, there's nothing like the human laboratory, the real world to kind of study and learn about leadership. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, the Coles company has done very well under your leadership and continues to do so. It's a complex organization as we described earlier. What does a typical day in your uh, work life look like? Well, uh, you know what I love is the variety because no one day is the same. And with three different kinds of industries, with real estate, uh, broadcasting, and then our insurance company, uh, they're very different cultures, they're very different industries. So. Um, you know that uh, sometimes it's good to have 10 minutes between meetings just to reset. Um, but that's what I, I love. I mean, yesterday I spent part of the morning, it's budget season, so we're doing budgets, but part of the morning talking about um, getting into e-gaming with our broadcast division. Um, so going from that to talking about um, a couple of real estate projects that we have on the horizon and then, um, you know, kind of mundane stuff that has to do with, well, you know, budgets and stuff we, you know, you have to get done. Right, every. right, right. Um, but it's, there, there's commonality of, you know, kind of culture and, you know, values and doing things the right way, how you work through a process and a decision making, make sure that, you know, it, the more diverse people you have around the table, the more the better the decisions are. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to so. keep a common culture and set of values across all of those conversations and uh, multicultural units within your operation as well. I would guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to focus in a little bit on your your uh, the media part of uh, Cole's company, uh, particularly your television and uh, newspaper assets. Uh, Perhaps no industry has undergone as much change in the last couple of decades as those in the general media uh, world. Uh, 
Where have you seen the most change either in the places where you give leadership or, or more generally across the media landscape? Yeah, and it's the, other than kind of the, the newspaper economics and how the model of how that business is has changed. You know, sure. It's really upside down. Yeah, technology um, and the internet have really turned yeah. that, yes. So that's kind of an obvious place. But the, the role of journalism and, and how it's being viewed today um, it's such an essential part of democracy, and uh, that watchdog and being, you know, informing the voters, informing people about what's happening at your school meetings and city council, as well as what's happening at the national level. Um, that's why our country is what it is, is that fundamental piece of um, free speech and, and the, the media role there. Uh, what we find is there's, at the national level, there certainly are some outlets, media outlets who definitely have a direction, a bias one way or the other, and that's part of their brand. I think what you find at the local and regional level is, you know, we're um, as unbiased as well, po humanly possible, and our job is just to cover things and inform the voters um, you know it's for every person who says our newspaper is super liberal there's one who's saying it's very conservative oh that's just like the university yes <laughs> <laughs> right. right yeah and I, that's healthy uh -huh. and i think for what's good about today's world is that you can get a variety of uh, views on the same event so um, you know, and we should, you know, for every minute you watch um, Fox News, you should be watching MSNBC and get both perspectives. And, and then at the local level, we try to pull that together and be, yeah. be the convener. We were so pleased to partner with the Spokesman Review a few weeks ago to bring famed journalist Bob Woodward to Spokane to speak with, uh, with people here. And of course, Bob perhaps is associated with the golden age of journalism, at least right. with investigative journalism. But as you mentioned, our country is going through a national conversation right now uh, around the role of media and news organizations and what I think you just described as the core duty to report on the news of the day as objectively, at least in the news division, as objectively um, as possible. But, um, we tend as Americans now to kind of curate our own feeds and sources of news. So this kind of unbiased, both sides kind of journalism right. that I think you aspire to bring to your markets um, is something that's harder and harder, I think, for us to grasp because we receive so much of our news from places like Facebook and our own Twitter feeds. These are places where we can control a lot of the content that right. comes to us. And so one of our challenges is that we're maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally creating these kind of echo chambers where we only listen to people who agree with our perspectives. And so rather than being challenged with an opposing point of view, we're always just kind of reaffirmed in our own perspectives. 
what are some ways that, as you run a, a large media organization, uh, what are ways that you think we might be able to break out of that um, that pattern, or in what ways do you try to disabuse people from falling into those kinds of uh, bad habits? Well, uh, I guess the it's giving folks access where and when they can when they want to get access, and so. Um, uh, not everybody is home at five o'clock or six o'clock to watch the news. So we need to be anywhere and everywhere so that we can be that source. Um, and so that's the, probably the first thing is just being available to the audience wherever we can be. And then I, I think as I think the pendulum may be swinging as people realize that, yeah, Facebook and their friends, there's there's sort of a cyclical thing that happens and maybe that's not the best place to get all of your news. Um, I think how we cover it too, you've got to make city council or, or school district, uh, school board races interesting. So I think the, the newspaper has done a really good job of making, um, telling the story in a way that's more compelling. And that builds audience and gets you to come back to that source of, of news. Uh, and there are, of course, there's some national brands like the Washington Post, the New York Times. Um, you know, I just say, even for students, I say, hey, you know, every once in a while, pick up something like that and just spend 10 minutes with it. Or if you're, if you're, if you're very bent on one opinion and think that that's the way the world is, go and find the opposite and read it. And you know you may come to the same conclusion, but at least you've been exposed to somebody else's opinion about that set of events. Those are habits of mind that we certainly try to reinforce at the university. Uh, we try to do that by bringing an array of different kinds of speakers onto campus that reflect different perspectives. We actually provide our students with subscriptions to things like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. Um, it was interesting to hear that those were the three newspapers that Bob Woodward, national newspapers that Bob Woodward elevated, you know, when he said, these are the things that I try to read on a regular basis. And um, so we definitely try to kind of uh, integrate that, that search for diverse perspectives into our right. students, because once they graduate, uh, frankly, they may not have as easy access to all of those kinds of things. And we want to develop those kinds of habits um, among our students. Uh, not only are you a fabulous uh, leader and corporate uh, executive here in Spokane, you are also one of the few female uh, leaders in Spokane, unfortunately, in my opinion. Um, Whitworth has recently established the Whitworth Women's Leadership Network with chapters in both Spokane and Seattle. And the network's vision is to support women who find themselves in important leadership roles within their organizations and in their communities, or those who aspire to those roles. And the response has been absolutely tremendous, which tells me that this kind of resource uh, for women leaders is long overdue uh, in our area. What encouragement, what words of advice would you give to women in our community who are either current leaders or who have leadership aspirations? Why do you think it's important for women to have leadership in all ranks within our community? Yeah, well, I think diversity around the decision-making table is essential, you know, whether it's uh, gender, race, um, political perspectives, whatever, just makes um, organizations better. 
uh, for women, you know, I was fortunate. I grew up in a household where I was told I could be anything I wanted to be. And uh, so I had that opinion or that, that view of life early on. Um, and I think for, for women now, it's, I mean, thank goodness for the prior generations who broke down a lot of barriers. There's still a long ways to go. Um, but in communities um, like Spokane, even Seattle, you know, you can, you can make a difference. And it it's, takes a lot of hard work. And I think women are a lot more supportive of each other. Um, I've had, you know, women who are 10 or 15 or 20 years older really, you know, without me really knowing, kind of boosting me along. And so I think if you're at the more mature part of your career, you know, reach down and help the younger ones along and vice versa. Um, One of my early, uh, it was a friend of my father's who said, you know, the best way to learn about leadership is dive into the nonprofit sector, go, you know, volunteer, get yourself and then chair a committee and then chair the board because you'll learn so much about how to run stuff. What and, great advice. And mm-hmm. how to bring people along. And it's safe, because if you screw it up, <laughs> you know, they, the stakes they may might not, be not quite ask as high. you to come back to the board, <laughs> but your career isn't over. <laughs> so uh, that was actually really good advice, and it actually worked well. Um, I think, you know, today there's still the balance of having it all with kids and family and careers you know i'm i was determined i was going to have it all uh was it all perfect i don't know you know my kids are now adults and um i I, I should ask them someday you know (laughs) how much did i screw it up when i was a mom Uh, but i had a very supportive spouse who uh you know we shared all of the responsibilities and you kind of have to work that out but i think if you think that you can have it all and you just have to define what that is for yourself. Uh, but we really do need women to step up and and be in the leadership roles that they absolutely have a right to be in. That's great. Thank you for the leadership role you play in our community. I know a lot of young women on our campus look up to you, and uh, I know you're a resource to so many in our community, so, so thank you for that. Several weeks ago, Whitworth honored you with its Distinguished Leadership Award, which is given by our Board of Trustees to honor particularly important and inspirational leadership and leaders in our community. That award was given in part because of your deep commitment, your deep sense of serving our community, which you've already mentioned is a part of your DNA um, as being a part of your family. But where does that deep commitment to serve Spokane come from? I just, I, I sense it from you, I sense it from your brother, I sense it from your uncle. There's this love for this place and uh, a desire to give back. Where is that rooted? Well, I, I think it just it kind of was osmosis from the family. I'm a, um, a lot of my family, the male side, were Boy Scouts. So the saying of leaving your campsite better than you found it, sort of, I mean, I don't, I don't remember not knowing that that was the way the world was. Um, and then, I, you know, I do recall my grandfather saying that everyone has this responsibility to give back. And it wasn't about, you know, how much money you can give or how big the giving back is. It's just 
that's just what you do. You give back in the capacity that you can. So whether it was, whether it's big or little, you know, everyone has the ability and he, he said the responsibility to, to do that. Um, so I think it just kind of came from generations of that. Now where he got it, I don't know. <laughs> you know um, are but you, are you joy. seeing, yeah. There's joy in it. I mean, it's, it, when you live in a place, wherever it is, and you can, you love it and you can see it getting better, you know, that's such a, a fulfilling kind of thing. It is. Are you, uh, in all of your work throughout the community, you work with young people, you work with college students and young adults who are beginning to uh, flex their muscles and begin to understand that kind of philanthropic responsibility um, back to community. Are you encouraged by what you're seeing among the younger generations in terms of their understanding of giving back to community? Yeah, I think the uh, the younger generation, the millennials, they are very committed and and they're committed to working with each other and they they want to know the why. Why does it matter? They want to know the higher purpose. And that's awesome. I mean, that's really, really, really terrific. Um, you know, I think our generation was more go out and do things. And sometimes we didn't ask the why. <laughs> um, Stay busy. <laughs> yeah, we just sort of marched along because uh -huh. that's what we were supposed to do. Um, this generation, I think, is um, has a lot more, there's more thoughtfulness at an earlier age. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Well, my final question, Betsy, is this. At Whitworth, as you know, we emphasize to our students that their unique experiences and skills and gifts, the passions of their heart, what gets them up in the morning, those things can contribute to their own sense of calling, what we've just talked about, their own sense of destiny, their own sense of responsibility. We call it vocation on our campus, that they are uniquely positioned to serve others in particular ways, and not just in professional lives, but in civic lives, in their families, uh, their professions, their community, society. I, I'd wonder, what, in what ways do you feel like you are living out your calling? Well, that's a really, it's a tough question. It's an interesting one. And as a, I think it changes over, for me, it's mm -hmm. changed over time. Uh, I've always been really intrigued by complicated problems and situations and sort of been able to pick those apart. I mean, I went to law school and I loved it because that's kind of what you do is you look at things and you can look at them 10 different ways and come to a resolution in probably six different ways. So I think my, I don't know, gift or my skill, I guess, is being able to, uh, you know, look at the elephant of the problem and figure out which end to start to work on. Oh. And, um, and then, uh, I don't know, the, just the, the giving back that we were talking about, there's just something really wonderful about seeing the next generation or, you know, seeing a project coming out of the ground or seeing, um, you know, a renovation or something that, that then is something that will stand the test of time, um, you know, well past, you know, when I'm around. And yeah. that's really gratifying. And I think the, 
I, I think now that I'm in my 50s, you know, the perspective of doing things that you that matter kind of rise up to the top uh, more quickly. Well, as an outside observer, I certainly see you living a life of meaning and purpose. And uh, you've tackled a few elephants, as you called them, in your career. And I see that ability to see the big picture and then roll up your sleeves and get to work in our community and your own role here at yeah. Cole's company. Mm -hmm. So just want to affirm you in that. I think you're absolutely right. Thank you, Betsy, for joining us today. Um, and once again, thank you for who you are and the many ways that you've contributed to Spokane and certainly to Whitworth University. We're glad to call you a friend. And uh, thanks once again to our listeners. We hope that you're enjoying these episodes. And if you are, I would ask that you pass them along to a friend or two and encourage others to listen. So until next time, thanks and God bless. Thanks for listening. Find all of Beck's podcasts and video interviews at whitworth.edu slash beckandcalling or follow Beck on Twitter at Beck Taylor. <laughs>